Welcome back to another episode of the Hooper's Almanac. Mitch and I have a lot in store for you all this week. It has been a record week for us and for the NBA, as Stephen Curry is now the all-time three-point leader, passing Ray Allen and Reggie Miller um, for that lead. Um, Very momentous occasion in MSG for him, that team, and his family. So looking forward to discussing that record-breaking performance, as well as some other news that has been going around the NBA. COVID-19 is back. Um, it has been affecting the United States, the, con- the world, the country, and definitely the NBA. So we're going to discuss its impact um, and what it means for teams moving forward. We're also going to discuss some of the new players that we're going to welcome to this season of the NBA. There have been a lot of uh, players that have really been dominant the past couple of years but haven't played in a while. So we're going to discuss their returns and much more. Looking forward to kicking it off here shortly. But before we do, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. Another episode of the Hooper's Almanac. It is Sunday, December 19th. Uh, it is almost Christmas and the holiday season is in full swing. Uh, Mitch, it is a good Sunday for both of us, I think, uh, spending some good time with our families and preparing for the holiday to come. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. No, it's been a, it's been a crazy week uh, just with work and this weekend was just a good time just to kind of relax. Uh, Evan, my brother, is done with school. His girlfriend, Rachel, is now home from Mizzou. So it's, yeah, it's been good to see everyone kind of been able to hang out. Uh, and like, and like you said, back in the holiday uh, swing of things, we watched home alone last night to try to get it all going. So nice. it's been great, but you actually made the trek all the way down to Springfield, Missouri uh, from Chicago. How is it down to seeing your grandparents? It's great. Yeah. It's, it's sort of your neck of the woods, at least in, in the state. So it's, right. it's good to be back in the great state of Missouri. Um, although during COVID, maybe not the safest place to be, but no. I feel like I'm relatively protected uh, with the booster and the vaccination. So um, feeling good. Uh, it's definitely great to see the family spending a few days here before I head down to Alabama to see uh, my dad and, and the rest of the family. So looking forward to spending these couple days in Springfield and then making the trek. Absolutely. Well, while it is a momentous week for us, just as the holidays start kicking in, Aaron, we had a there was a big uh, thing that happened in the NBA last week. Steph Curry is now the league, uh, the all time leader in three points made. Uh, it's crazy. He he has passed Ray Allen, uh, who was uh, in attendance at MSG MSG last week. Uh, and it was crazy. It was nuts. Uh, we all expected it to happen at some point, but it's crazy how done how quickly he's done it. Yeah, I mean, at a rapid pace, way quicker than anybody's ever done it, obviously. Um, you know, I, I don't forget the exact differential between him and Ray Allen, but it was a huge gap. Mm-hmm. And I was even just during the occasion, obviously, you want to try to soak it in as much as possible. But quickly, the media reflected back on when Steph Curry joined the league and when Ray Allen broke his record. And they were, you know, resurrecting all these old takes that said this will never be broken. And Steph yeah. Curry doesn't stand a chance to break this. Like, all this, all this sort of stuff. So I'm sure it was a little bit therapeutic for him to sort of prove all the doubters wrong as well. And obviously there's not a greater stage um, to do it on than MSG. Um, you know, it was a performance and that that's exactly the word to put it. Yeah. And absolutely. And you know, one of the greatest things he said after it all was, you know, he didn't want to consider himself the greatest shooter of all time until he broke that record. And mm-hmm. I think a vast majority of people in uh, who are true NBA fans or even just analysts, 
considered Steph the greatest shooter of all time, at least for the past four years, if not, if not longer. Um, And so I, I'm happy that he, I'm glad he finally did it. Of course, he's beating out one of my favorite players of all time and Ray Allen. Uh, He, who will always have a special place in my heart, even though he left uh, the Celtics for Miami heat. And I will, I will get over that at some day. Um, But uh, Rajon, Rajon Rondo will never get over that though, Mitch. He definitely holds a grudge. (laughs) Yeah. KG finally got over it. If if he can do it, then Rondo definitely needs to uh, get out of his head. Um, So, but no, and just to have, I mean, Reggie Miller was announcing that color commentating that game and to have, um, Ray Allen on the sideline. I mean, that's three of the best shooters of all time. Right. Um, if anyone follows me on Instagram, I mean, Ray Allen is my king. Uh, Steph Curry's the goat of all time when it comes to shooting, but the OG is still Reggie Miller. And even though, I mean, if you look at his shooting percentages from three, it might be a, atrocious, but it's still, I mean, you, everyone still considers him. I mean, before Ray Allen, the be- I mean, the best three point shooter until uh, Ray Allen came on the scene. So it was cool just to see all three of those guys together and holding up their jerseys together. Yeah, and I guess the question that I'm sure the media is peddling now is, will this record ever be broken? I think it's, on the one hand, a little bit disrespectful to start asking this question, just considering he achieved this feat at such a rapid pace, and also considering some of the injuries he's had. I mean, Mm -hmm. consider if he would have been able to play a full season every year he's been in the league, when he would have broken this record, but also... You know, part of me wants to say this is this will never be broken. This is the greatest shooter we have ever seen. But at the same time, it's a little bit ignorant to say there's the possibility of the way the game's changed at this point and to not know whoever is to come into this league and their talent level. Like, I think it's a little bit ignorant to say this is never going to be broken, don't you think? I do. But the issue is now I'm feeling I'm going to sound like the guys who said this when Ray Allen was broke the record. I feel like there's no one in the current NBA who could do it. Um, That's I think, true. I agree I, with that. I think the only there are might be Trey Young might be the one guy I think who can maybe like even stand the test of that. He's in his third, fourth year in the NBA, third year in the NBA. It's it's too early on to tell. Oh wait, hold on. Fourth year in the NBA. I need to get that right. Fourth year in the NBA, and but it's so it. He I don't think he's like correctly on pace for it right now. But I I think he might be the only young guy who I can see even getting close to that record. But I mean, I, I can't even think of anyone right now uh, who is not super injury prone, who, who can uh, go out and break that record. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to the players in the league now, I think that's not an irrational take to say right. nobody's ever going to break this. And by the way, Trey Young has indeed been in the league for four years. Okay. I cracked um, myself. <laughs> he is. I'm trying to see how many three pointers he's hit here. He's made 575 threes. I'm going to try to do some quick math and see how many. The sixth. That's the sixth Curry. of the way to where Curry is. His Curry right, is just but, short of 3,000. Right. But how many did Curry have at that point in his career? Is oh, good. But regardless, I think, you know, when you're talking about those in the league at the moment, I agree that nobody's going to pass him. Um, but I also think that, um, you know, it's you just don't know who's going to come into the league, right? No, oh, yeah. Um, I just I just think that. You know, the, the door is always open to somebody who might be better than Stephen Curry or maybe not even better. And just it's a completely different game. Like we've mm-hmm. already seen it completely changed in terms of how the three point shot is a, a focus for all of these teams as it wasn't in the past. And it might right. even become even more polarized in the future. Absolutely. And I completely agree because, I mean, one of the things was, I mean, before Steph Curry came into the league, he wasn't like supposed to be one of these top guys. He wasn't supposed right. to be the greatest shooter of all time. He was this guy from guy from Davidson who was had these incredible moments in March Madness and it's just he wasn't supposed to be this good I mean he was he was picked 
I mean, Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio were picked over this man. Let's just not, let's not let the Timberwolves forget that to this day. And so, um, yeah, I mean, so you're right. There will, there will be, there probably won't be like the number one pick probably won't be that guy who goes out and gets it. Cause Reggie Miller, Ray Allen weren't number one picks. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, the two guys who had it before Steph. So you're probably right. I feel like the number one picks are more guys who aren't going to be hacking up threes all the time. Right. And I just going back to this point on the Trey Young comparison, I did some quick math. So at this point into his fourth year, Trey Young has hit 575 threes through four years, his first four years in the league, Curry had 644. Now that includes his third year, which he only played 26 games. Right. Yeah. He had and a so if you break it down injury. by games, then sure. Stephen Curry's still way ahead, but I mean, Trey Young could easily have more than 644 by the end of the year. You probably will. Right. Um, so in that terms, in terms of being on pace, it's, it's a possibility. Now is Trey Young going to have the long, as long of a career as Stephen Curry. I also feel like Trey Young is really good at getting into the lane and having his floater and doesn't need to shoot the three all the time. Um, so we'll see. I think it's, you know, if you had to make a case for anybody active in the NBA, I would agree with you. Trey Young's probably the person, but at this point, let's, let's sort of, you know, embrace the moment and not, right. not diminish what Stephen Curry's accomplished. No. And you're absolutely right. And that, and my, and like I said, I, don't think there's anyone in today's NBA who could break that record. Trey Young would be the closest thing to it, but I I'm with you. I mean, this is incredible what Steph Curry has done. I mean, two-time MVP. I mean, was going crazy in 2015 and 2016. Um, those years were incredible, and yet this year seems to be one of his best years of all time. This late in his career, um, and la- last year was crazy for him. Um, it's kind of it's nuts how like whenever you're the number one guy, whenever he's the number one guy on his team, how well he's played. I mean. Whenever KD was there, of course, he had to take a step back. But like we've talked about in the past, he was the, he's the greatest teammate right. to have on a team because he doesn't have to have the ball twenty four seven. He does he does damn well when he has and when he has the ball in his hands. But it's it's incredible what he can do off the ball as well. So it's he, he's ridiculous. He is number three right now in the league. I mean, he's my he's a top three player in the NBA right now, which is how well he's playing. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely making a case for MVP this year. There's the yeah. narrative already built. Um, so congratulations to Steph Curry. Um, you know, this is somebody we have to go see before we die in person before he retires. Um, yeah. I mean, this is something that we're going to, we've really grown up with him. Right. I mean, I remember yeah. him even in March madness at Dayton or Davidson, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and just making that elite eight run in the NCAA tournament and remember him as a young player and thinking of Monte Ellis as a better player than him at the time when he first came in, Brutal. Week, which <laughs> which he was in early on, but Stephen Curry is, I mean, outlasted Monte Ellis as, as far as you, yeah. as, as, as farther than you could have imagined and <laughs> has been incredible. So I look forward to one day seeing him in person and maybe at a Bulls game in the future or somewhere else in the Midwest, but congratulations to Steph Curry. And as we sort of reflect on his successes, we also wanted to discuss some of the failures in the league at the moment. And that would be just the COVID-19 outbreak. Now, this isn't unique to the NBA. This is happening in the NFL. This is happening in the NHL um, and all around the world and around the country. Obviously the new variant has been affecting people and the NBA is not immune to that by any means. Um, we saw the NBA sort of release some new protocols um, mm-hmm. coming up on the holiday season. The NBA Players Association and the league agreed to elevate testing for the weeks coming up uh, yeah. starting on December 26th, the day after Christmas um, so players and staff will be tested on game days um, and just making sure essentially that they are, are expediting and making sure they're safe about this process. Now, 
there have been outbreaks on the Nets, the Hornets, the Bulls, the Lakers, and the Kings to this point. Uh, you know, 52 players in the past month have come down with COVID, tested positive. We haven't heard of any serious cases, thankfully, but has definitely impacted the way teams have been approaching this. Um, do you think the league is sort of taking the right step in addressing this? And how do you think, does this affect teams long-term? Uh, so, I mean, we kind of expected this. Everyone was coming back from their yeah. Thanksgiving and, and we're about to head into Christmas where everyone's hanging out. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. I feel like, I, I hate saying that, but it's just how, I mean, with everything that's going on in the world today, I mean, everyone wants to spend time with people. And whenever you come back after spending time with those people, you have the chance of having COVID. And it's just, it's what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I think once, you know, the protocols are handled correctly, if the protocols are hand, handled correctly, then yes, I feel like this won't be as long-term of a deal. I don't think this is, the NBA won't have to go back to a bubble. I really just don't think that will have to change. There might be some fan capacity things uh, yeah. start of January, um, even that last until like the all-star game that might have to be played with a little bit. Just, I know Toronto is doing that both in the NHL and the NBA with the Raptors and the Maple Leafs, um, just they're restricting it to 50% um, capacity. And I feel like that's what a lot of the, um, some, I mean, a lot of stadiums or an NBA teams are going to have to do. Um just to keep for safety. Now we're not, we're not making this pop by politics by any means. We're just trying to say, this is just the facts of what's happening. So uh, it's crazy what's happening. Um, It's, and it's nuts just how widespread it is. It is also just crazy how like many G league guys are being pulled up and just going off and like, like the nets had a wild starting five against the magic where Robin Lopez was the leading scorer in the entire game. I mean, whoever thought that Robin Lopez was be, would be the high score in a game. Not me. It was not me. If it, if it was sons, Robin Lopez, early 2010s, maybe, but that was it. That was the only time I ever thought Robin Lopez would be the high score in a game, but it's, it's crazy just how, how crazy it's all gone. But yeah, I mean, I think as long as teams handled it correctly, then you're fine. Yeah, the only impact I feel like um, would maybe just be going on a poor stretch here, um, like for the Nets, for example, like they're leading the Eastern Conference right now. Right. And you have KD out uh, and other key players, either due to injury or due to COVID, like that's going to impact you when you're starting David Duke Jr., Patty Mills, <laughs> Blake Griffin, you know, uh. all these other guys. There's a G League guy thrown in there. Um, you know, in, in Cam Thompson or Thomas, the rookie. I mean, that starting lineup's not going to, retain your lead in first place so it just depends on how long these guys are in protocols if they're sick or if they just test positive continue to test positive how that impacts their standing would be my my sort of analysis of this and if they're able to catch up from the ground that they've lost um i think that's the biggest implication for these people and these teams assuming that none of them are seriously ill which thankfully we haven't seen that yet i think joel Embiid had the worst case of covid um this year to our knowledge I know right. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both really had tough cases um, and had long-term effects, but it sounded like Embiid was really scared for yeah. his own personal health and life at some point. So I haven't heard of any similar sort of anecdotes since then from players, thankfully. Yeah. I mean, Tatum's was last year and Brown's was earlier this year. So, I mean, it wasn't like they were um, Brown's was, he, it was just some breathing stuff, but yeah, it sounded like Joel Embiid had it, it hit him hard. Um, but thankfully he's back to, being well no not thankfully he's back to being as dominant as he is because i need him to stop i need him to stop yesterday um but you know it's yeah i think today it's just tough to kind of figure out and it's because some of these guys want to act like the tough guys i mean that's what the nba is full of Mm -hmm. tough guys at this point um 
it's these guys just don't want to have a weakness. And so they, some guys like to try to keep it close to the chest on whether or not they're having symptoms and teams are trying to do the same thing. So I feel like this is almost like a strategy play at this point, just to make sure that they're not letting out too much information about, you know, what's going on and how these, some players are being affected by it. Um, So I think uh, you're right. I do think that it might have longevity effects when it comes to teams like the Nets or some of the top tier teams who have outbreaks. Um, But it's now about how deep your true, how deep your team truly is, and how well right. they can do without uh, your players. Because I mean, the Nets are going to be kind of screwed here for a minute. Because I mean, you have Harden out, you have Katie out with COVID, and now that you literally, the day you announce that he's coming back, Kyrie Irving's coming back. The man gets is announced positive for COVID. So we're going to already head into that part. And now the fact that Kyrie Irving is back in the NBA. Yeah, I mean there have been a couple stars that have sort of returned to the NBA unexpectedly. I mean, we expected Clay Thompson right. at some point this year. I didn't expect it to be this soon. Right. Um, you mentioned Kyrie Irving, and then we have Isaiah Thomas coming out of nowhere, signing him to the G League, and then just letting him walk, which is so absurd. I can't believe they just didn't straight up sign him right, right off the bat. Like, why do you need to see one game and let the rest of the league see what he's got? Just sign him as, as soon as the Nuggets, you know, they need scoring right now, but we're going to get into that last. We're going to dive into Kyrie first. You mentioned the day they announce, oh, we're ready to bring him back on a part-time basis for road games because the state of New York and the city of New York City are mandating people to be vaccinated, um, you know, in that in that certain profession. And to uh, just be working, you have to be, like, to go into right. office, you have to be vaccinated. Right. Um and so, I mean, he obviously can't play at home games. So they were yeah. finally, even though they said it earlier in the year, like if he's not going to be here full time, he's not going to be here, which honestly, I subscribe to that philosophy. But I think based on how thin the Nets roster has been um, with the injuries to Joe Harris, with some of the lack of productivity from guys like Blake Griffin, um, you know, Paul Millstap is a walking corpse. Um, you got other guys that just haven't really been stepping up. Um, James Harden has actually played a little bit worse and now he's hurt. Right. Right. Um, so Kyrie really just came in due to all of that. And then all of a sudden he's in COVID <laughs> protocols. So I wonder he's why he's expected to be back in January at some points when they were hoping, I don't know if that timeline is now set. What do you think of this whole decision by Steve Nash and the Nets organization to bring him back on a part-time basis? Very biased about Kyrie Irving, so I really don't know how well, how well I'll handle this. But to be honest with you, I don't. I understand why they had to, just like you said, the the roster is thin. It makes yeah. sense to bring him back. Um, however, once everyone's healthy, I don't know what the. I mean, the I'm all on the board for the fact if he's not here full time, what the point is? What the heck is the yeah. point? Because he is going to be. It's it's going to ruin with chemistry. It is it is the exact opposite of guys like Malik. Beasley, like last year or two years ago, who was literally just restrained to only playing home games because he couldn't leave the state because of like uh, being in a court case. So it's just more, it's different than those guys. I feel like uh, there's someone for the Lakers a few years ago had that same thing too. But KCP, thank you. Um, house arrest, essentially. <laughs> yes, basically. It's like, it's like in Fast and Furious 2 when uh, the guy couldn't leave his, uh, it couldn't be more than 100 meters from his house. So he literally just drove his trailer, which was his house, to the, like to the, uh, to the uh derby like where you could where you did the car derby where he was beating up cars 
and stuff. So that way he was a hundred, he was a hundred meters from his house still, but it's basically just like that, except the opposite for Kyrie Irving. So, I mean, it makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't understand um, the point of it when everyone's healthy, but I get it right now. So, and I also Kyrie, I hate you forever and ever. So just get out of here. Well, I think, I think part of it, it affects you positively in terms of they just need players who can play. And Kyrie is one of the best players in the league from a talent perspective. I don't think anybody's worried or debating about that. Right. It has maybe an unforeseen negative impact once he steps off the floor for those home games. Now you've gotten used to playing with Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. And then it's the vacuum of him not existing, especially when James Harden's out. It's all on KD even more so. And then, my question is, how does that impact KD from a load management perspective? I've personally been under the philosophy that they've been playing him too much as is. Mm-hmm. Now I understand KD probably really wants to play that amount and is lobbying for that. And Steve Nash is one of those, you know, warriors who always played a lot in his career. So he probably, you know, agrees with Kevin Durant and understanding what where he's coming from. But from a historical perspective, you got to be careful with Kevin Durant, especially when he's been as good as he's been. You have to keep him healthy. Um, so I'm worried about how much that puts on his shoulders with Harden out and Kyrie out for those home games. Um, I, I, I personally don't agree with the decision. I think you got to make other roster moves to fill out your roster to begin with. It's already way too thin. Um, and I agree with you with the team chemistry. I mean, it seems like all the guys respect Kyrie. Um, but I just think the the vacuum of him not playing some games and playing on others is going to be really tough on some of those young players and Kevin Durant. I do they trade Kyrie? Is that, do you think they should? I don't know who's going to take him. I mean, I guess you could. And trade to the state of Texas. I feel like right, Texas would love him. Any city or state that doesn't mandate that, I guess you'd right. be instantly able to play him, but I just don't even know what the baggage, like he's already shown at previous locations, specifically Boston, specifically Cleveland where he's basically demanded trades, you know, right. trade into a place where he's unhappy. He's going to demand a trade and completely, you know, go rogue on the situation. So I, you have to be very careful if you're a team that's maybe seeking out to trade for him. I think that just the simplest trade is just Ben Simmons and him like straight up. I feel like that's talked about by everyone gets both guys out of the current yeah. crappy situations that they're in. So gets Kyrie the ability to finally play. Um, I think that's like the easiest one you can go with. And I feel like that's talk- it's talked about by a lot of people, but. But then you risk alienating Kevin Durant too. Cause I mean, those guys were buddies and wanted to join up together in Brooklyn. Katie was dumb for thinking that that was, I mean, I, 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 you signed up to hang out with a guy who has just had issues with every team he's played on. All right. Yeah. This man literally was like, Hey, I don't want to play with the best player in the NBA right now, LeBron James, anymore. Get me out of here. Let me go leave my own team. Oh, wait, I can't in Boston because I'm incapable. So I need to still be the second-tier guy for the second-best player in the NBA and Kevin Durant. I will settle for Kevin Durant. But I, I I just – I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like that was Kevin Durant's first issue is deciding to sign up with a guy who has his own chemistry issues and can't seem to play more than 42 games in a season. Yeah, I mean, I guess Kevin Durant had played with Russell Westbrook, so he probably thought any upgrade was possible there. But he was also coming from that Warriors situation, which was like, I mean... Heaven on Earth. Right, those are in reality. I mean, when you compare it across the league, that's the best spot you can be in. I mean, I know he had his feuds with Draymond at the time right, and Steve Kerr, but 
I mean, in general, Steph and Clay and Steve Kerr and even Draymond are great teammates. Um, I know Draymond's a little bit hot-headed and hard-headed, mm. but I mean, Kyrie Irving is quite the different story. But you know, this is on KD. Like, this is a taint to his legacy. I think in terms of his decision to go to Brooklyn if he can't make it work there. And I think Kyrie is really essential to him making it work. I completely agree. But like you said, he's coming from a situation in Golden State where it was just the perfect situation. He had the great guys around him. And one of those great guys was Clay Thompson. And Clay Thompson has been out for a hot minute and a half. And Clay is making his return soon. It's not, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen sometime in 2021. It sounds like it'll be beginning of 2022. Um, but it's going to be, I'm excited to see Clay step back on the court on this uh, hot and streaking, streaking Warriors team. Um, and I'm excited just as I heard he got moved up from the, their G League affiliate uh, recently, uh, as well as James Wiseman, uh, just to finally get back in reps with the uh, Warriors. Aaron, what do we think about the Clay Thompson uh, return? I mean, it's I think it's going to take a few few weeks for him to get back to normal Clay. I think we have to make sure to keep that in mind. I mean, this guy's been out for over a year. Um, devastating injury for him. It's you know we talked about this with Cole. It seemed like whenever you see him on the bench, when he was hurt, it, he just looked absolutely depressed and it had clearly been tough on him to watch Steph and the rest of the team really thrive while he wasn't able to do anything. So I'm really excited to see him back on the court and it's sort of the original Warriors team, right? Before right. they became villains with KD. So I'm really looking forward to that. I do think it's going to take a little bit of time, but this is huge for this team. I mean, they already have so many shooters and you add one of the best shooters of in the league right now. Um, and he can do a lot more too. He's a great defender. I mean, they're already one of the best team defending teams mm-hmm. in the league. And you add one of the best on-ball defenders and off-ball defenders in Clay Thompson. That's a huge add for them too. Um, you also can't measure some of the chemistry that him and Clay and Draymond have already. That you know, you see some of these guys who have really performed well, and like Jordan Jordan Poole. You know, some of these young guns and Andrew Wiggins really stepping into the new role, yeah. but at times you also see them struggling to work with Steph and Draymond in tight situations, such as that first Suns game, you know, it it was clear that the Suns team really knew each other um, Mm -hmm. and built off that experience last year. And the Warriors were still trying to figure out, you know, who they were um, with some of the new parts. And I think clay is somebody you can plug right in and you have instant chemistry. So I think that's huge for them. And I'm sure Steve Kerr is really happy to have him back too. Well, absolutely. And I think he's coming to the perfect situation. The Warriors are, uh, one have one of the best records in the NBA. So they can kind of, not that they want to, but they can kind of afford to lose games if it means like getting Clay back into like form. Um, because when they know Clay's back and Clay's back and doing his thing, they're one of the, I mean, they're already one of the best teams in the NBA. It, they're, they won't have to worry about losing because they won't. They are going to be crazy good. Um, it, give him the opportunity to start coming off the bench whenever he'll probably come off the bench to start a few yeah, when those games start when he comes back. Um giving him the opportunity to come go up against like second string guys and reserve guys, um, which will be perfect for him. I mean, just get him back in the groove of things. I, th- I wonder how good he or how quick he'll be on defense um, and with just like the amount of knee injuries that he's had. Uh, I feel like that yeah. might be, uh, play with him a little bit, but, you know, being out for two years, I mean, that the two years he's been out, it's going to be crazy just to finally see him back. Also really hope that he uh, just wears the headband. I, I, I want to see headband Clay Thompson on the basketball court. It makes me, it makes me excited when I see that happen. It is way too many Jackie moon vibes for me. But, oh yeah. Um, whatever. I also repped the headband at certain points in my uh, collegiate basketball career. Uh, what a great so, time. 
I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I'll, I'll do respect to Clay there. So welcome back, Clay. Um, another player that, you know, we can call all these guys stars. The legends have returned to the NBA. This last guy, I think we're both emotional about, and Isaiah Thomas um, had one of the great runs in the with the Boston Celtics. Um, what was that? Three years ago now? It was 2016, 20, no, it was 2016, 2017. So it was our freshman year of college. Okay, a while ago, but he now joins the Lakers. Um, he was signed to the G League affiliate of the Denver Nuggets and played one game, dropped 42 points, and then all of a sudden the Lakers scoop him up. This is similar to the the Nets, the Lakers having a really thin rotation right now with people getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen AD just go down a couple days ago, um, and now they need some scoring uh, to help out LeBron. So Isaiah Thomas steps in, drops 19 in his NBA comeback against the Timberwolves, a game that they lose by quite a wide margin, but um, yes. he looked he looked pretty good. And then the next game, um, he plays the or he's playing the Bulls right now. Um, looks like he has six points at the moment. Um, so looking forward to having Isaiah Thomas back. I don't know how he fits into this roster. This just becomes weirder and weirder. Yes. Um, <laughs> I can't but think that this would have been the perfect fit for the Nuggets. Um, and they obviously knew that signing him to the G League team. And then they just at, set out a free advertisement to the rest of the league. Hey, here's this guy you all know. Um, we want to make sure that you all know how good he is, but we're not going to go and sign him. We just want to give him a couple thousand dollars for this one G League game. And then you can have him. It's totally okay. We don't need him. Uh, so that was just, you know, a frustration for me seeing that happen. But overall, happy for IT. Aaron, you know how emotionally tied I am to IT. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, I literally bought an IT jersey uh, four days after it was he was traded to the Cavaliers for Kyrie Irving, um, only to have that jersey come in, <laughs> come into my possession literally like two, day, two days before the season started. It was brutal. It was just a nice little reminder about how bad that was. Um, IT and back in the league is one of my favorite things. I wish that the Celtics would have gotten him just for like nostalgia reasons. I wish the Nuggets would have brought him on just to have him because he's infinitely better than Frank Campazzo. Um, so um, I I think the Nugget, the Lakers bringing him on was probably one of the worst opportunities or situations that IT could have fallen himself into because Lord knows when everyone's back on the Lakers, he's just going to fall back to being nothing and he's not going to play and it's going to suck because I love IT with all my heart and soul. I, it's just crazy because there are some teams who definitely could have benefited from having him. One of them being the Nuggets, one of them being the, I think another team that could have benefited from him would be like the, the, the Knicks who could use scoring, mm. Um, and also even the Nets, who could also just use that additional scoring, uh, especially when uh, Kemba and Kyrie are out. Or sorry, Kemba, Harden and Kyrie are out. I feel like those are two teams who are both fighting. For, well, Knicks fighting for playoffs. Nets having a playoff and could use that consistent scoring off the bench. Um, that would fall into the fact that they already have Patty Mills, uh, who is just another short guard. Uh, but still, I mean, if, I feel like those are two teams that could have used him as well. I, I, like I said, I just think the Lakers was just such the, one of the worst situations for him to fall into. Yeah, I feel like there are so many. I mean, Philly's another team that comes to mind. I feel like mm. they could have used him. I mean, they've been searching for a secondary scorer, scorer for Embiid for years. Harris is good, and Tobias Harris is good, and Seth Curry are good, but they don't give you the consistent presence that you need, especially once it comes to the bench yeah. playing with Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could have worked out there. I don't know if this was a a situation of it really wanting to go to the Lakers. Um, I know he teamed up with LeBron uh, 
in that trade um, for Kyrie Irving and he got hurt and didn't really do much that year. Yep. But, um, you know, that was complete. <laughs> the Cavs got completely fleeced in that deal, but then the Celtics also lost the star that they traded for. So I, in general, I don't know if this was an IT decision, a money decision, like if the Lakers were just offering so much more money, but I felt like you could have gone to a lot of different places and the Nuggets would have been a great spot for him in my opinion. Really disappointing, but looking forward to having this guy back on the floor. He's just so exciting. I think watching some of those clips of him in these, you know, recreational leagues the last couple of, of months has been really exciting just seeing him drop ridiculous stats. So I hope one of these days he does that um, on, on, a, on a team here in the NBA. So uh, we're going to take a quick break um, right now. I think we're going to step away from the NBA um, talk and get to our Serial and Brews content, which we always love to do. Uh, I know Mitch and I saw this this great movie this past week that we both are really excited about. So we're going to continue the movie train and discussing that when we come back. All right, we are back with some cereal and brews for me and Aaron. Uh, we have had a great week uh, this past week. Uh, one of the reasons was because uh, we both got to see this crazy, awesome, great uh, Marvel movie, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, for context, we're not going to spoil anything. We're just going to give our just general description and ideas of everything. Uh, there will be no spoilers, so do not feel like you have to skip this part. Uh I'm also going to see it a second time this week. Uh, we have family that's coming in town. They haven't seen it yet, so I'm going to go see it with them this week. Um, but Aaron, just general rating, what did you think of the movie? And just, you know, try to keep it as basic before we let the people yeah. know and our in-depth thoughts next week when we actually now, next week, we're going to get spoilers. Yeah, it's going to be tricky to try to avoid not uh, Freudian slip here, but... <laughs> It was a great movie. I mean, you had texted me. I think you saw it the night before on the opening night. I saw it yeah. on opening day, which is Friday, December 17th. Um, I mean, the crowd was electric. It was like... You hated that, though. I hated it, but it was electric. <laughs> I mean, it was... I haven't been to many opening days, and there were clearly a lot of people who were much more invested than I, and I really like to think I'm a big <laughs> Marvel fan. But it was like... People were you proven screaming, wrong? Were you proven wrong that you were, you're not that big of a Marvel fan when you compare oh, to these I mean, people? Sure. Like, <laughs> there are some people who just clearly have no lives and just, oh my gosh. It's like, it was a really good movie. Uh, there were so many moving parts to it. So, shout out to the director and all of the actors who just really handled this so smoothly. Um, it's one of my favorites, I think, so far in the Marvel series. I think Endgame is still the number one for me personally. Um, I'd have to go through the list and really think about it, but it's definitely up there. I mean, it made me want to go back and watch all the Spider-Man movies. Um, even just the, the, the current ones with Tom Holland. I really just love him as Spider-Man. I think he brings a, a lot of great humor to it that others haven't. Um, and I think he's, you know, his boyish sort of nature is great. And Zendaya is really good too. Obviously oh. he's MJ and uh, his, his right hand man, his best friend is great. Um, Ned. I also love how Happy is like one of the key characters in Spider-Man throughout. <laughs> and I always loved Happy. So uh, it's it's a really good movie. I would recommend it 100%. I would also recommend not seeing any Marvel movie on opening day. Um, while it was a great experience, it was oh, also no. a bad one. Because there were just people 
screaming out like full sentences throughout the movie in reaction like either something they sent something bad was going to happen and they were started screaming or something good was going to happen and they continued past the ooing and eyeing that is natural to continue to make this full statement and it's like all right you're really cool like you're so cool i really want to hear your thoughts on this no it's not like a casual hangout there are 300 people in this theater and i just want to watch the movie and understand what's happening so i was sort of down on that i get some natural reaction to a movie you're really excited about but you don't really have to philosophize about it and go into detail on your take on the movie like calm down nobody really cares so I was a little bit over that. I think I need to see it again in the comfort of my own home, not in the theater. But it was, that being said, the movie itself was fantastic. And I would recommend you all see it if you're a Marvel fan. You would have really hated watching that movie with me and my, me, my brother and our friends. Oh my Lord. We were the exact opposite. We were all into it with everyone in the crowd. I mean, we went, we, so I got out of work early. I left work and I went and saw it at three o'clock on, on Thursday. And the, I mean, I think we had the earliest showing in like the Midwest. It was ridiculous wow. how like, I mean, it was crazy packed um, just at three o'clock on a Thursday. Um, it was nuts. And we all went crazy. Um, I mean, everyone's seen, if you've seen the previews, you know that Doc Ock is in it. And so whenever Doc Ock came on the screen, um, we all lost it and yeah. it was nuts just the just and everything that was going on it was just such a fantastic movie I agree with you it is one of my favorite Marvel movies it is uh, number three on my list uh, it's behind Endgame it's behind the original Iron Man mm. um, those are the two movies I have ahead of it um, but it's just such a it does such a great job of making it so serious and also just have that Marvel um, comedy to it all um, and this in this movie secured the fact that Tom Holland is my favorite Peter Parker of the three Peter Parkers that have ever been done. Mm. Um, you know, if you go back and watch like all the other more, uh, Spider-Man movies, I think Andrew Garfield's my favorite Spider-Man. Toby Maguire does a great job of uh, juggling both Spider-Man and Peter Parker outside of number three. We don't, we discard that entirely. Um, and then Tom Holland has done a great job as being just the Peter Parker super, super nerd who has just awkward uh, teenage charm to him that somehow works. Um, and these, this movie made me want to go back and like you said, rewatch the Tom Holland movies because it ties them all together so well. And mm -hmm. I think this just does a great job of tying the knot um, on so far, these three movies that have been made for his uh, trilogy so far. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I, I agree with you. I recommend to go seeing it for anyone it especially if i'm making it my number three marvel movie of all time yeah no i mean it was it was great uh, i think you know it, out of the three marvel or out of the three spider-man that he, tom holland's been in i think this was the best one mm -hmm. so if you like those first two um i definitely recommend this one again don't recommend seeing it anytime soon wait maybe until it's almost out of theaters my otherwise you might have a might have a local pal who thinks johnny walker's a beer and also decides to scream the entire movie and shout out phrases and sentences. So would not recommend that. But I feel like opening night was, I feel like that opening weekend was the only, the, the only crazy people. After that, people start to calm down. I will, let, I, I, will, I will let the people know when I go see it on Wednesday, whether or not the crowd has died down. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, if, if you already think that the movie's good enough to see twice, like you come out of the theater and it's like, oh my God, I need to see that again. It's clearly a good movie. And I mm -hmm. think the last two movies I've seen, Dune 
and the Spider-Man movie, I thought the same thing. So definitely a good review overall and looking forward to seeing it again in the comfort of my own home. Well, and it's crazy because I was talking about with some friends of mine, this actually feels like the movies are back. Like, yeah, I mean, COVID's, I mean, COVID kind of killed the movie theaters, of course, but like, I haven't felt like movies have been put, I mean, we hadn't had so many blockbusters in one year, like we've had this year. I mean, and just to end the year. Um, and we have, so, I'm so excited for next year's movie slate already. We got Batman coming out in March, mm-hmm. uh, Mobius coming out next year. Um, it's going to be a great superhero year and also just a great film year in 2022. Uh, and I'm super excited for it all. Uh, we have Don't Look Up still coming out uh, in sometime here at the end of December with uh, the Netflix film with Leo and um, 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 Jennifer Lawrence. Um, so I'm excited for that as well. But yeah, this just this was just kind of solidified the fact that movie theaters are back. And it's and this is just like the crowd. I mean, I like I said, I mean, there's there was a mob of people waiting for like the next slate. I mean, next slate of movies. Of course, we were getting out at like six o'clock, so it makes sense. But I had people mm-hmm. who were leaving the movie theater at seven. I mean, who had the movie at seven, left at ten, and the and the movie theater was still packed when they went and go, yeah. went and saw this movie. So it's crazy just how how back movie theaters are. Yeah, it's one of those movies you got to get there early. I mean, we were there. Madison and I were there like twenty minutes early, and mm-hmm. we still got one of those spots that was like not the front two or three rows that is just always so depressing if you get stuck in that situation right um but it was one of those like first row of the second section off way mm. to the right yeah and it was still a really good view but it was like man if we didn't get these spots we would have been in those front rows and that is just the worst like it is it is not the right spot to see a movie yeah. i think the only movie i saw was in that case was american sniper and i was in the very first row oh my lord because i was in high school with my friends who just were the least organized people of all time and refused to leave until the movie previews have already started and of course it was like one of the opening days of it and Mm. it was you know that movie there's so much motion and stuff going on so it was just the worst movie you could also see (laughs) in the front row so i was happy i wasn't in that situation so i'd recommend anybody going soon definitely get there early well I only go to places that have reserved seating now. I'm that much of a snob right. at this point. So right. at that at that point, I'm just like, I'm only going for the, if I'm going to a movie, I'm going for reserved seating. So that way I already know my, my seat is saved and I'm good to go. That's fair. Yeah. That's <laughs> but, fair. but so while that was going on uh, this past week, last weekend, uh, I had my office Christmas party. Abstract Marketing had its office Christmas party. Um, if anyone's from St. Louis who's listening to this, you, you know where Grant's Farm is. Uh, they rented out a slot at Grant's Farm. Uh, they had like a big casino night. Uh, so there were uh, roulette table. There was craps table. There was blackjack and uh, hold'em tables all around. Uh, great food, great um, stuff going on. Um, your boy Mitchell won a 32-inch Roku TV that night. Uh, doubled his doubled his money in blackjack, and it was great. Got to steal some money from the CEO, Scott Scully. You're never going to listen to this, so it's ha, it's funny. Um, and, and so, yeah, I I won a TV, and I have never won anything like that from a raffle in my entire life, and I about lost my mind when I found out. So it was crazy, and that was one of the most fun nights I've had in a long time uh, just because I have never been to a more chill office Christmas – I mean, office Christmas party, mostly because I've never been to an office Christmas party. Uh, if you've never seen the office Christmas party movie, also worth watching. Um, terrible, terrible – funny movie but it's just terribly inappropriate so 
I was going to ask how it compares to the the show The Office and those Christmas parties they had throughout the show. A little bit more eccentric, eccentric and more money based. Um, but it's just super inappropriate. Oh my lord, it's so bad. <laughs> but um, definitely not a movie I watch every Christmas. I'll say that it's definitely a movie my dad likes to watch every Christmas for some weird reason. But it's just not one that's on my list this year. I've already watched yeah. my I've watched my allotted Christmas movie so far. Uh, the three of them: Elf. Four Christmases and Home Alone. That's the ones I only need to watch in Christmas. Yeah, I don't even need to watch any. I've seen all of them. It's cool. Like, I'm cool watching a Star Wars or a Harry Potter during the holiday. I'm totally content with that. I think it's just watching whatever you want to watch and don't feel beholden to suffering through another year of a wonder. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh if you Lord. listen to last podcast, I mean, that's never happening again. So. <laughs> watch watch a star wars like one of the our followers on twitter shouted out rogue my, one a great my, co- star my cousin chris my cousin there chris. we go cousin chris thank you for your input um <laughs> rogue one is a great star wars movie not my favorite of all time but top three for sure um and i actually did watch that on our christmas eve that madison and i held a couple weeks ago so it is uh definitely top of mind for me i actually watched attack of the clones today that's where i'm wow. that's where I'm, boy I, I think that might be the Star Wars movie I've I've had most rewatched. Like I've rewatched Attack of the Clones more than anything, and that's just because of the nostalgia, the fact that 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 was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Yeah, I mean it's it's really underrated. I think the prequels oh, yeah. get a lot of hate. I I like Attack of the Clones. I mean the back. I always say the back half of that movie is as good as any other Star Wars movie, in terms of the fight scenes and all of that stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's great. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys for listening uh, to this episode of the Hooper's Almanac. We're so thankful for our great listeners. We, uh, if you if you like this episode, f- share it on Twitter. Uh, we always share it on Twitter. We always tweet out the episode. But if you uh, see our tweet, you know we'd love for just uh, you to share it as well. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Hooper's.Almanac. Um, you can also we'd also love for you to follow us on Spotify where we post our podcast um follow us on spotify you can hit that bell in the top right corner to uh, tell you whenever one of our new episodes comes out my dad still after five, uh, the 13 episodes we put out still didn't know that that was a thing even though i've told him on this episode on each and every episode how to do it he's like i don't know where i don't know where the bell is i literally had to show him it's in the top right corner where i say it is every time love you dad um but yeah you can follow us on uh you can find us there as well um and yeah, if you feel feel free to reach out to us, we're at hoopers.almanac at gmail.com. Love to hear any feedback you have from us there as well. Uh, have a great week, guys. Um, and I guess we won't be seeing you before Christmas. You won't be hearing us before Christmas. So have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Peace.